program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 58th ever and show six of year two of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my events of the week that I attended. Also, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week was the virtuoso performance by Rajon Rondo in the Lost the other night to, my, to the Miami Heat. Spectacular game by Rondo uh, as he scored a career-high 44 points in one of the greatest performances in NBA playoff history. This, of course, followed up his uh, taking over the last five minutes of the Celtics Game 7 win over the Sixers on Saturday night, which I attended. And I will also be there tonight at the Boston Garden as the Celtics make their last stand when the white-hot spotlight shines brightly on the possible end of Boston's Big Three era. It's now obvious that the changing of the guard is complete, with Rondo having become the go-to guy. This ushers in my low light of the week, which was the horrible officiating in the first two games of the Celtics Heat series. The five technical fouls in Game 1 against Boston were just simply absurd. Even if one or two of them were deserved, the thought of having five, of, five in one game against a team is just off the charts ridiculous. But none of them were really deserved, which made it all the more ridiculous. And, uh, you know, you combine that piece of the officiating with what went on in Game 2, specifically the non-call when Dwayne Wade raked Rondo's face at a critical moment of Game 2, leading immediately to a Udonis Haslam dunk that just simply turned the tide of the game right there. It was so bad that Danny Ainge, general manager of the Celtics, 
tracked down the VP of NBA officiating, and they had uh, what, by all accounts, was a animated conversation immediately following Game Two down at American Airlines Arena in Miami. So, again, you know it's bad when you have someone like Danny Ainge uh, seeking out the NBA officiating director. And sticking with the NBA, my bizarre story of the week is the uh, USA Today poll, which showed that 80% of the respondents believe that the fix was in, to some degree, for the NBA lottery the other night, when the New Orleans Hornets got the number one pick. The NBA has a huge, huge perception problem that it must fix. And in this particular case, it's, it come, the Hornets winning the lottery feels like, to many of the respondents across America, obviously, feels like some kind of a makeup call for uh, the league owning the New Orleans franchise and Chris Paul leaving for L.A. And it's, again, just something that the NBA needs to address. So they have, you know, a couple of problems. Officiating is one. And it's the main one. When you think about game two, one of the truly, truly great playoff games you would ever want to see, highlighted again by Rondo's spectacular performance, not to mention Wade and LeBron. Uh, you know, but you have most of Sporting America talking the last two days about the officiating. And that is the last thing any league wants, is that the officials to be the story. That should just simply Never be the case. Well, my events of the week were many and varied. Started with the Celtics' Game 7 victory over Philadelphia on Saturday night. The Garden was absolutely electric, as only the Garden can be for a Game 7. And last week, you may remember, I played an interview with Ray Allen, uh, recorded before Game 7, uh, and I predicted that he would show up big time in Game 7. And he certainly did that with two huge threes in the fourth quarter, and he also had quite the uh, big three to send game two to overtime at the bu- near the buzzer the other night. For tonight's game, I believe Brandon Bass may again play a huge role, as the Seas desperately need contributions from their role players, like Miami got at home the last couple of games. Bass already had a career-high 27-point explosion against the Sixers, And after Game 7 last Saturday night, he had this to say about his experience so far as a Celtic. I said since a young kid, but this player, you know, this season, you know, being that um, we had a lot of injuries, um, you know, team people counted us out. And, uh, you know, Doc just came to the locker room one day and said, uh, we're going to have to be a corner team, meaning that uh, we might not blow teams out. Team might go on, you know, big runs on us. You know, he just wants us to have resolve and continue to fight. And uh, you know, that's what we've been able to do. Uh, Brandon, and Brandon Bass is a very likable fellow. I actually interviewed him and played his, played some of it on the air on this very show a few months back when they traded him to Orlando for Big Baby Davis and. Uh, Bass, like many others, is grateful to come to Boston, and here's what he had to say about being a Celtic. When I first got here, I just wanted to fit in, you know, some type of way, and, uh, you know, now I feel like I'm a part of the family, you know, uh, you know I'm grateful to be here, you know, I learned so much, you know, from, the, from, this, from this group that uh, that's going to take me, you know, far, you know, in my career, and uh, I'm just grateful, man. 
So don't sleep on Brandon Bass tonight. Again, uh, the Heat are basically daring the Celtics role players to beat them, and they have not stepped up yet in this series. But I think they will tonight, and I think that uh, Bass will be the key guy, uh, the key role player at least, that will step up. And also following Game 7, uh, losing coach Doug Collins of the Philadelphia 76ers wax poetic about how this Boston team came together, and he had this to say just minutes after his Sixers had been defeated in a Game 7. Look at them as the big three. I look at them as a championship four. You know, I mean, if you're going to leave Rondo out, you're making a huge mistake because that guy has become the, the motor that drives this team. Now, when you look at the other three guys, uh, Ray Allen, uh, all-time greatest three-point shooter in the NBA, um, absolutely one of the classiest human beings you could ever want to be around, works as hard as any athlete as I've ever seen. Uh, with my broadcasting, I would always go and I would watch, and I would watch guys' routines, how he, every single day, put the time in on his job. Uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, I met Kevin Garnett when I was coaching the Detroit Pistons, and uh, he came out for the draft, and I met him in a high school, I mean, I met him in a uh, hotel room, and uh, walked away saying this kid's special. And uh, I know all the years that he put in Minnesota, and for him to come over here and get a chance to be with a champion uh, is fabulous. I look at a guy like Paul Pierce, and He's going to go down arguably as, a, as what, the greatest scorer in, in Celtic history. Is he, not, is he not there yet? Or if he's not, he's probably going to, going to do that. But what I think about is I think about how organizations change and how quickly they change. Um, they lost 18 in a row the one year. 18. And they were disappointed because they didn't get the first or second lotto ball. And they make a deal to get Ray Allen. Wanted to get Paul, excuse me, they wanted to get Kevin Garnett first. He didn't want to come here initially because he didn't think they had enough. So they make a deal to get Ray, then they get Kevin, but more importantly, the sacrifice of those three guys, each giving up a little bit of themselves so they could be a championship team. And I remember talking to Doc Rivers about it uh, when it happened. And he said it was the right time for them to be able to do something like that because they had all been in the league long enough to sacrifice individual stuff for team stuff. And so my hat's off to them. They're, they're wonderful people. Uh, they're champions as athletes. And they represent the NBA the way it should be represented. Well, that's Doug Collins, coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Class act being able to say that minutes after losing a Game 7 at the Boston Garden. And... I can't think of a more eloquent way of uh, describing the history of the Big Three than what Doug just said. And if indeed this is to be uh, near, are we near? If we're nearing the end of the Big Three, then uh, again, no better comments than what Doug uh, Doug Collins just said to describe what they've meant up here in Boston and. Uh, and I will just say, uh, with this again being the Celtics' last stand, that uh, watch this team up close and personal. I don't think it's their last stand. I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to win uh, some games here and really make it a series. And there's no quit in this team, and Miami will have to drive the stake through their heart. There is no other way that this team will die.
And that means Miami needs to win one of these next two games in Boston, or uh, I really like the Celtics' chances if uh, they win two here in Boston. And my second event of the week that I attended was the NCAA Men's Lacrosse Championships last weekend at nearby Gillette Stadium. I attended both the semifinals on Saturday and the championship game on Monday afternoon. Great take. Lacrosse fans are among the most passionate sports fans I've ever encountered in my life. I've done a few different lacrosse events, and they are special. And here is Loyola, Maryland coach Charlie Toomey speaking minutes after his Bulldogs won their first ever national championship by beating Maryland 9-3. to um, Absolutely a team win. Um, you know, whether or not they were in a man or in zone, they protected each other. Uh, you know, when, like I said, there was a... Uh, it was a letdown. Jack Bronco stood as tall as I've ever seen him. Um, it, they, they took care of, uh, you know, clearing the ball first time and uh, getting it back to our offense. And I thought that our offensive game plan was terrific by Coach Shinani because he, he took some pressure off of the defense when we needed to. You know, we, we didn't play as fast in some cases as we usually do. Uh, we knew it was hot. We knew that, you know, we had short sticks that were facing a little adversity for playing a game on Saturday. And I thought that Coach Shimani helped us with our defensive game plan, the way we played offense today. And hats off to Loyola, Maryland, beating Notre Dame on Saturday in the semifinal and University of Maryland on Monday in the final. That's what I call earning it. And indeed they did. Uh, Loyola, Maryland, NCAA lacrosse national champions. Now on to my last event of the week that I attended which was the Patriots Organized Team Activities, OTAs, yesterday at Gillette Stadium. It was a great atmosphere. Number one, it was great to be back on a football field. And it was a very light atmosphere where players like Vince Wilfork and Dion Branch spoke of their support for the Celtics. These guys attend a lot of the games, uh, as do Julian Edelman, Patrick Chung. They also spoke to the media yesterday. And uh, so it was interesting that the... Patriots, who are the Celtics' biggest supporters, happened to be the ones speaking to the media after the OTA yesterday, and and it was great, and I have every reason to believe they'll be there in force tonight at the Garden. But most importantly, we have QB12, Tom Brady, also talking with the media, and he started off by talking about his new Under Armour video. That was a... uh... Like I said, I was laughing the whole day, and then they, uh, they're like, no, you've got to get angry. So I said, okay, let me, let me get the angry part down. So it was fun. It was a, uh, you know, it's hopefully a lot of people watch it and just go out and buy some underarm shoes. Julian was says, that uh, was that Julian, Julian says you've come Brady a long way or, since. Was that channeling your you know, inner Brady, or is it acting? No, it's, okay. it was pretty much me being me. So <laughs> the guys, uh, you know, my teammates see me angry all the time, so. You know, it's pretty easy to get riled up, and, and uh, you know, that, that part of the acting is pretty easy. You have to do something you're not really used to doing, that's the hard part, but that was, that was pretty easy for me. Julian says you've come a long way since Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Julian is very critical of everything that I do, so I appreciate it. I'm very flattered that he likes it. So. Can you talk about all the receivers that you have out there as weapons now? I mean, yeah, yeah we, we brought in quite a few guys, so hopefully... The mix of guys that you know, we had last year along with the new guys can create some different options for us. Um, 
it's a very competitive position. I think you know all of our days of practice have been very competitive, but it'll help our defense out or help our offense out. You know, the more good players you have, you know, the better team you're going to be. So you know, it's only our sixth day of OTAs. We have obviously a lot of work to do before the season starts, but it's been a lot of fun being out there and seeing Dante and Jabbar, who I've played with before, and I you know, really love playing with those guys. And obviously Wes, Dion, and Chad. Tom, coming back close to a fourth championship, what kind of effect does that have on you? And, and how much do you go back and, and think about the last two minutes of the Super Bowl there, how things might have gone differently? And then as part of... And we'll continue on with Tom Brady's comments. He had a little bit more to say about how last season ended with the loss to the Giants in the Super Bowl. We, we try to move on and, and we try to look forward to what this season's going to be about. It's a different group of players, different coaches, um, you know, a little different system. And, you know, you're trying to put together a, you know, a team here that can go out and compete, you know, every single week. So, you know, you don't look back too, ma- too much on the past and say, what if, what if. I mean, you drive yourself crazy. At some point, you got to put it in the past and move on. At 35, do you look at a different thing you did when you were 25? I don't know. I'm not 35. <laughs> 34. <laughs> 34. <laughs> um, I appreciate it, you know, every day. I mean, I... I I think one thing that my injury taught me a few years ago was how fragile this game is, and to be able to take the field you know, every week is really a blessing. So, um, you know, maybe you know at 34, I feel a little differently in that sense. You know, I appreciate, I love it just as much now as I ever have, and, and I love being out here for the OTAs. Right now, 25 is probably bitching about the OTAs, but you know, when you're when you're 34, you're not. You're saying, all right, let's see what kind of team we got. Let's see, you know, you really got nothing else going on in my life so I'll try to come out here and do a good job for this team always good to hear from Tom Brady and good to have some uh, football back here in New England and across the country as uh, NFL teams are participating in OTAs uh, for the next couple weeks I believe and then on to mini camps before we know it so I posted video interviews from all three of the above events on YouTube's Voice America channel, uh, which is very easily accessible. You just simply go to YouTube, search for Voice America Sports, and you'll come across a lot of my uh, video interviews, such as after Game 7 Saturday night against the Sixers, uh, interviews with Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Doc Rivers, also, for after the national championship game with uh, Loyola coach Toomey and three of his top stars. Also, uh, from yesterday's Patriots OTA with Tom Brady and Vince Wilfork. And uh, going back a week or two, uh, from Connecticut Sun coach Mike Tebow and his players Tina Charles and Asia Jones. So, we're going, uh, in addition to audio here on... All around sports. We've also been doing a lot of video and expect to do a whole lot more. So check us out at uh, YouTube Voice America Sports Channel. And now, as my former co host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, how are you doing today? I'm terrific, John. How are you? Good, good. Both enjoying some fine New England weather today, gorgeous day, and uh, but not too gorgeous to play basketball in Boston, that's for sure, and I am dying to get your take on the uh, first two games of the Celtics Heat series. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's funny. I, I really thought that the Celtics would 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 keep it close, would 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 play well, and you know, with with a chance to win. And they've and they've they've they've. I think they've played well. I think they've they have kept it close. You know, the 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 the, the problem is that you know, as 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 well as Rondo has played, and uh, you know, as, as 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 you know, as as well as they've done. You know, they're still down two nothing. So you know, uh, you know, in in the NBA, you know, unfortunately, the team that goes down two nothing only wins six percent of the time. But you know, I guess that's why the, you know that's why you play the games, right? I mean, you know, if if you knew how the, how it was going to turn out, you would just wouldn't even bother to show up show up after going down two nothing. So you know, you got to show up. You got to play the you got to play the games and. 
you know, um, I, I do. I do think Miami is is playing a more physical game than uh, than the Celtics are. I mean, they're just they're just built for that. I mean, uh, you know, Dwayne Wade has been very physical going to the hoop. So is LeBron James. Um, you know, the Celtics you know seem to rely more on the on the perimeter shooting, and you know, and when they have a night like 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 Rondo had, it it it, it works. But you know, that still wasn't enough. So they're going to have to you know find a way to you know either. Uh, Either you know, change it up, you know, bulk up on the perimeter game a little bit, bulk up on the inside game a little more, but they're just not built for that, you know. Uh, you know, with Garnett and and uh, and Ray Allen and uh, and Rondo, you know, that's that's kind of their specialty, and, and Pierce, of course. So you know, I I just don't know if 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 they can kind of you know keep up with the heat on the inside. So I, I guess the only thing they can really do is is do a better job on on that shooting from the outside, and you know, I don't have any doubt that they'll. You know that they'll close the gap. You know, I I think it'll be a good series the rest of the way. I, I think they'll play well. You know, and as as you mentioned before, you know, I expect them to win to win a couple of games. You know, it's obviously not it's not going to be a sweep. It's not going to be you know five games. You know, they'll 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 make it a series, and I still think they have a good chance to win. But uh, you know, history says otherwise. But but we'll see. You know, I I and I think again that's that's why you play the games. Um, and I and I think there's I think there's there's something for them to build on. You know, from the last game for sure. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, always disappointing to play uh, your best game, which really they did in many ways on Wednesday night and still not come away with the win. Uh, cause for concern there. But that said, uh, the flip side of that is they showed they can clearly play with the heat, even in Miami. And I think all that's, uh, you know, I think the difference is, is thin. And a little home cooking for the Celtics uh, might be just what they need. So I've got to ask you, Barry, what's your take on the officiating? It's obviously a hot topic these, this whole week with this series. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, when, when games are close, you, you, it, 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 it tends to be a bigger factor. And, in, I, and I think in, in, when, when you look at all the sports, you know, certainly the, the NBA has come under the most scrutiny on, on officiating. And, you know the, the the it's just the way the game is and the way it's it's and you know I always hate to use the excuse that this is the way it's always been but it kind of always been has been this way I mean you know when you when you talk about the NBA when you talk about officiating you know the the, the superstars you know seem seem to get the calls not that the Celtics don't have their their you know their their own stars but uh, you know uh, it, it just it, when you when you lose, it it just everything seems magnified, you know. When when you when you when you win game, when you win close games, you don't really you know think about the officiating too much. But you know, but when you get beat, you know, that tends to be the focus certainly. And you know, you know quite that I will I will agree that some of the calls have been questionable, and uh, you know, uh, Doc will be the first to say that. But uh, you know, you, you have to overcome that stuff. And you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna win, if you're at this level at this at this point in the postseason. You can't really fall on that crutch of blaming officiating because you know one school of thought is you know blaming the officiating is 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 for losers. So you know you you don't want to really go down that road because then that's going to affect your game. It's going to affect your mental preparation. It's going to affect everything you do. It's going to affect every drive, every play. You know you know wondering you know what what the ref is going to call, what this and that. But so you really. It, 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 it's very difficult to do, but you really have to focus and go out and play your game and kind of let the chips fall, with they, fall where they may. Now, all that said, I agree. You know, the officiating has been an issue. It has been has been a problem. Has been inconsistent. But you're you're, you're going to see that from time to time, especially in the NBA. I think, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, if you look at all the sports, 
you know, the, the, these, these issues of officiating you know, seem to crop up more in the NBA than they do in other sports. So, you know, they're, the, the, in, in order for the Celtics to get back in the series, they have to forget about that. And I'm sure that, that's what Doc is talking about um, in practice, you know, in the meetings with the teams. They look, you know, and Doc's a pretty bright guy, pretty cerebral guy. He'll say, look, you know, there's nothing we can do about the officiating. We just have to play our game. We have to focus. We have to just, you know, get, get, get one win under our belts. You know, the, you know, they played a lot better in game two than they did in game one. Let's go home. Let's get a win. Uh, let's make it 2-1. Let's, let's make this a series again, and then let's, let's, let's play our game. Let's play the way that we've played all year to get us to this point. And, you know, you, you can't really worry about the officiating because, again, you know, once you start doing that, then – you know, then it takes away from your focus and takes away from your, your preparation and the way you have to play the game and the way you have to approach it. So um, if I were, you know, I, I'm sure that's what Doc is trying to sell to the guys today. Yeah, and I was at one of the practices last week. Doc said that we are, quote, a no-excuse team, which clearly they are. And I have no doubt that he is uh, preaching the no-excuse, no-distraction mantra, like you said, as we speak. Uh, they sure. held... Uh, they held a game day shoot around uh, this morning at 10:30. So, um, no question, <clears throat> they're moving on, and I think they're I think a very good team at moving on. I think you have right, to. they have no choice. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And uh, sticking with the NBA, Barry, I'd like to get your take on the NBA lottery the other night. Um, you know, it's 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 just funny that it just never seems to in recent years. Never seems to go the way that that the odds odds make it out to be. I mean, it kind of makes you makes you wonder about those, those ping pong balls, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it sure does. The, that's why I'm bringing. That's yeah. why I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, the, in, in the past several years, you know, the, the team that has had the best chance to win the lottery has not, and you know, it's 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 gone in a different direction, and you know, it, there's always seems to be some surprises at the lottery. I mean, and and, and I can tell you, even going back. Years ago, you know, when they when they when they did the lottery back when, going back to 1985, you know, when the in the in the in the now famous or infamous, depending on your point of view, uh, draft lottery when the, when the Knicks got uh, got the right to draft Patrick Ewing. I mean, I know people who swear that at that time, um, the the envelope with the uh, with the Knicks logo on it was put in a freezer, so they knew which one was the Knicks logo. I, I I know people who swear that was true. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but I do know people who 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 will swear in a stack of Bibles that that that's what happened. So, you know, huh. take that take that any any way you want. But I'm not trying to suggest that it's fixed. But I'm just telling you that 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 this is what's been said in the past. Now, with the ping pong balls, you know, it's it's, it's held in a, in a you know in a private room and it's it's over is overseen by by an organization. So, you know, an organization that uh, you know says that these things are all in the up and up, and you know, we, we have no reason to doubt that they are. But you know. I guess that's why long shots win races too at the, at, at the Derby or, you know, the, the favorite doesn't always win, you know? So, you know, but it does seem strange. I, I agree with you. It does seem kind of weird that, that the, that the team that has the most ping pong ball combinations to get that first pick in the past several years, it hasn't happened for any of them. So it just kind of makes you, it does make you think a little bit. I agree with you, but, uh, you know, I'm sure the, uh, the Hornets or the, the uh, New Orleans entry that will soon have a new nickname, whatever they're going to be called. Um, I'm sure they're not complaining. So, you know, Tom Benson is not complaining, and Monty Williams is not complaining, and the, and the Hornets organization is not complaining. They're, they're, they're thrilled. Uh, you know, and, all, and from all accounts, it looks like uh, Anthony Davis is going to become their property, and, uh, you know, hopefully a game changer for them. 
Right, and I think good points, Barry, and I think it's highlighted when you have a draft where you just have one potential franchise player, you know, uh, out there, such as Anthony Davis, that can turn it all around. And basketball is the one sport where one player can turn it all around. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just again every year it just seems to be something with uh, you know with this lottery. And of course, among the most famous cases of all is just what we've been talking about. It was the NBA lottery, let's not forget, four or five years ago when the Celtics were not quite as bad as the Bobcats, but pretty bad. They had lost right. 18 in a row, as Doug Collins pointed out earlier in our show on a, uh, on a sound bite. Uh, and, you know, the Celtics didn't win. They were, I think they were fifth, and they had the best chance to win that year. And, of course, uh, that was Kevin Durant and Greg Oden's year, and uh, even, you know, if that's happening this year, nobody really cares that much because then, you know, the Bobcats, clearly a team in need of a number one pick franchise player, would have gotten, you know, a number two guy if, if it was like an Odin Durant situation. Anyway. Right. But, you know, the, here's, but uh, here's a thought about that, too. I mean, given the way things have, have worked out, you know, say the Celtics did win the lottery, get that number one pick. What if they had gone ahead and taken Greg Odin? I mean, look, look what would have happened. I mean, you know, here's a guy who just has not been, has not been able to get on the, on the court because of all the injury issues he's had. Now, if they had taken Kevin Durant, you know, we'll be, you know I think we'd be looking at a much different uh, dynamic going on with that team now. But, you know, if they had taken Odin, I don't know which way they would have gone. If they would have taken Durant, you know, they might have, you know, won more, won more than once. But had they taken Greg Odin, they'd be in much, much worse shape than they are right now. So you, you never quite know how, how that's going to pan out. I mean, I'll agree with you, yes, for the most part, that, you know, guys that are – that are that are supposed to be can't miss, especially in basketball. Usually they are, but uh, you know certainly uh, you know Greg Oden has had a very very difficult uh, difficult career, and you know we may never see him play again. You know, but uh, certainly a guy like Durant has uh, has starred. You know, he's one of the you know young stars of the NBA. So it just kind of goes to show you, 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 you know, even when you think you know, you never quite know. Absolutely, Barry, and. Uh, on that point, I read a very interesting uh, story in the Boston Globe about the lottery just this week, the other day, yesterday, I believe, and it, it made the point that Celtics officials reiterated what apparently they've been saying for years, although I don't remember hearing it, but I read it yesterday that Danny Ainge was absolutely all in on drafting Kevin Durant over Odin had the Celtics won the lottery that year, which I found interesting. I'd never heard or read that mm. before. Um, so, interesting. Well, one thing we, one thing to be sure, the impact of the NBA lottery is gigantic. Yep. And, uh, you know, and something every year seems to generate, you know, all types of conversation and... Uh, you know, positive and negative. So it's uh, it's intriguing. And like I said, uh, you know, every year it's uh, it's a hot topic, to say the least. Well, let's stick with basketball. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs had their 20-game winning streak snapped last night. And uh, by the Thunder, Oklahoma City came to play. They looked great, you know, ran up to it. Pretty quick lead, although San Diego didn't make a run to actually take the lead, I think, in the second quarter. And then, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City just took it from there. But, you know, 
I think this is looming to be a great series. I think we're all wondering, could Oklahoma City do it after the first two games? Well, they did it. And now game four looms large. Uh, how do you see the rest of that series unfolding? Well, you know, I, I, I thought going in that would be a very good series. And I thought going in that uh, that the Thunder would have a really good chance to win. You know, of course, you're running into the, the hot, one of the hottest teams, you know, uh, you know, now in NBA history, right? Uh, you know, the Spurs with what they've done. And it's just, it's just amazing. It just seems that, you know, there's a team that, you know, talk about getting, getting contributions from all different places. I mean, it, it just seems like every night it's just somebody else that steps up, you know, whether it's been Parker or whether it's been Steven Jackson or, you know, or Tim Duncan, you know, even, you know, you have, you have, you have, when you have a, when you have a night where Tim Duncan is just sort of like in the background and they still win handily, you know, you, you know, you're, you know, you're onto something special. So, you know, yeah, I mean, they, they, the, the Spurs have played great. Popovich has done a tremendous job with that team. And, you know, the, the, the Spurs, you know, if, if, if there's any team, to me anyway, any team that's flown under the radar as good as that, any team as good as they are that's flown under the radar seemingly as much as they have this year, I mean, think about it. You know, when you're, when you're talking about the NBA this year, you know, everybody's talking about the Miami Heat. Everybody's talking about the Thunder, you know, you know being the, the new young rising team in the West, knocking off the Lakers in the playoffs. And, you know, out in, in the East, it's all, you know, it was all, it was all Heat, it was all Celtics. And for some reason, the, the, the Spurs, you know, always kind of got overlooked this season, at least as far as, as that's always been my perception this year. And, you know, nobody really paid much attention. So, yeah, they have some good guys. Yeah, they're pretty good. But, you know, look at, uh, you know, look at some, what some of the other teams are going to do. But, yeah, I mean, they've certainly proven that they, you know, uh, some of these guys are getting a little long on the tooth, but they can still play. And, again, they're getting, they're getting really nice contributions from, from everybody on the roster. So that's really what's been what's been carrying them along. And, you know, as far as Oklahoma City, I mean, Durant's been terrific. Westbrook has been terrific. And Harden has been terrific, um, you know, uh, during the playoffs, during the whole playoffs. And, you know, getting that win last night, a 20-point win for them, you know, that, that has to do wonders for their confidence. And, you know, thinking, okay, now we can, we can make this a series. So, you know, you, you might have a little bit of a momentum, momentum shift now. I don't expect the Spurs to, you know, crumble or anything like that. But, I think so. I think suddenly opening up the doors to the uh, to the Thunder. I think you have a uh, you know really good chance of of having this now become a really good series. You know, so uh, we'll see where it goes. But I I would expect I would expect it to continue to be uh, very competitive. I think now you know the Thunder. You know, knowing they can knowing they can finally beat the Spurs. Knowing that fi- finally someone has beaten the Spurs at least one game. Uh, it's something for them to build on. It's something for them to. Carry into uh, into game four and just uh, just with that inner confidence, knowing that they can they now have it within themselves, and I'm sure it's going to be a it's going to be a wild scene in Oklahoma City for game four. Uh, so yeah, I think we'll see a lot more of that, and uh, I think that's going to be a long series too. You know, as it as it as it's going to turn out. You know, I, I I you know it didn't start out looking that way, but I think that's the way it's going to go. So I think in both cases, in both conference finals, we're looking at six seven game series. I agree, Barry, and, uh, you know, great observations as always. And one of my favorite parts of this series is, speaking of San Antonio flying under the radar, which is just ridiculous with four titles. And but you agree, last... right? Totally. It's, it's yeah. absurd. And I just find it interesting that and ironic that uh, Greg Popovich, you know, has issued perhaps – the two best sound bites in recent memory, or certainly of this year's NBA playoffs, the one 
saying, I want some nasty, and everybody was wearing the T-shirts in game two after he said mm -hmm. that in, at a timeout in game one. And then in game two, he had another great line that I loved, which was, you know, this is big boy basketball. And I expect mm -hmm. we're going to see some of those T-shirts yeah, uh, come game Five back in San Antonio. And it's early funny, next and, week. you know, it, it, it's funny. I don't know what, 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 you know, I don't know what, what he's drinking or what he's taking or what he's doing on the side. But this, this has not, never been like him to, you know, kind of come out with these types of statements before. Usually, you know, he's, he's, he's never. I mean, he's always been, you know, kind of fiery, I guess. But you know, I, I don't remember him ever, you know, coming out with you know little catchphrases and motivational things and things like that. I guess because they've never really needed to, right? Because the Spurs have always been, you know, pretty competitive and. And always a, a very you know one of the better franchises, you know, one of the more solid franchises in the NBA. So you know you really didn't need to see that, but it was just it's just kind of funny, you know, I love uh, it. coming coming out coming out of Popovich's mouth, all this stuff. Yeah, right, the nasty stuff and everything else. So uh, yeah, it's kind of it's it's something uh, something a little different. It's, it's fun to see though. I, I like stuff like that. You know, I, it's it's I think it always makes it more interesting. You know, when when you have a coach or somebody, uh, you know, showing some personality and uh, you know doing something maybe a little a little out of character, uh, a, little, a little goofy. So uh, yeah, they're having fun with it, which shows that they're loose and shows that they, uh, you know, they they're, they're 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 in that playoff mode. So you know, it's good for them. I think it's great, especially with this coach. Uh, you know, he's wearing four rings. It's great. It's great that we're finally seeing a little bit of his personality, even if it is out of timeouts and. Uh, I'll say one thing, intimidating guy. I would not want to be uh, disappointing him. I'll tell you, he, he's Ew. great. He has a, that football coach look. And uh, Anyway, with that said, time for our break, and Barry sticking around uh, to join us on the other side. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. Shot. Got it! With 2.8 seconds left. left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, I think we covered the NBA, and now let's move into a little uh, Stanley Cup hockey and... I know you're a big Rangers guy, so I want to give you a chance uh, to give your post-mortem on the Rangers, and then we'll move into the Stanley Cup Finals between the Los Angeles Kings and the New Jersey Devils. Well, I really thought, you know, I th- really thought the Rangers, there was a good chance they were going to take it to a Game 7 against the Devils, but you know what? Uh, you know, and you felt it. If, if, you, watched the, if you watched the games in, in that series, uh, you know, I, I, I saw pretty much every minute of every game in that series. And I just it just never felt like the Rangers really ever got momentum going for them. I mean, other than you know the the come the two, in the two games they fell behind the comeback attempts, which were which were tremendous. But you know, for the most part, I mean, you know, the the, the starts of the games were a big issue for them because the Devils you know got out front in every game. Um, the Rangers found it very difficult right off the bat to get to, to get leads to even look competitive. Uh, and that's just you know the, it's just and I think. Only because of the way they play, and they're you know talk about a team when they never say die, never quit, no excuses. I mean that's you know uh, you know you might you, you might say that the Rangers are the uh, NHL's version of the of the Celtics in that regard, you know because they you know, Tortorella doesn't want to hear any excuses. They they don't they don't they don't, they, they don't play that way. You know they block shots, they give themselves up, they play a very demanding style that wears you down, and, you know, uh, they look like a tired team. Uh, Tortorella will say that they were not tired. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't want to hear excuses. But, you know, it was quite obvious that, you know, playing playing with pretty much four defensemen and, and three forward lines, not much of a fourth-line influence at all for them. So, you know, yeah, I mean, guy, and, you know, guys like uh, uh, Marion Gabrick and Brad Richards, you know, they did not have a good series. I think they were tired. I think they were worn down. I think some guys were playing hurt. Obviously, Brian Boyle was playing hurt. I think um, McDonough was playing hurt. So you had some of that, too. Uh, I thought Lundquist was great, other than uh, the opening of Game 5 when they when they fell behind 3 nothing. I thought Lundquist was terrific. But you know what? The Devils outplayed them. The Devils got the jump on them. They were the quicker team. Their forecheck was better. They're more opportunistic, and they deserve to win. Uh, you know, I just thought, uh, you know, it just never, you know, again, and I, th- I think the best way I can sum it up is it just never felt like the Rangers really ever got it going, and you kept waiting for it to happen, but it never really did. And, you know, and that was the difference in this series. And by the time they got it going, it was, it was kind of too late. And you know, in the two games, they fell behind early. You know, if, if they had come out that way from the start, you know, maybe uh, we would have gotten one of those wins going the other way from the Rangers, and then we would have had a Game 7 at the Garden, and then you never know what's going to happen. But 
but hey, uh, hats off to the Devils. They played great. They, they, they've been great the whole playoffs, and they have a really good shot to win another Stanley Cup for Marty Brodeur. Well, they sure do, and, you know, I agree. It always felt like an uphill battle from, you know, the first face-off of game one when, uh, the, you know, that the Rangers were just sort of swimming against the tide against the Devils, who are clearly, you know, one of those teams. They've won three Stanley Cups. They have a history. I know they've changed their style of play from what it was when they won those three Stanley Cups, but they still have Martin Brodeur in goal, and basically they're, you know, when you have sort of a history and a tradition of winning like that, like many other teams and many other sports, you know, when they have that upper hand, they just know how to keep that other team down. They're just really good at it. Uh, not unlike the Patriots or Steelers, not unlike, you know, the Celtics. It's just like that's where the pedigree tends to come in. And I, and I thought that that's exactly what happened, that the, the Devils know how to win. That's what, it, that's what we're talking about. They know how to win, especially when you give them even the slightest window to achieving that goal of winning, which is what they're all about. Yeah, and you know they had some difficulty here in the regular season with with uh, with some injuries. I mean, you know, Parisi was hurt, uh, Travis Zajac was hurt uh, for different parts of the year, and they had and they had a tough time in the in the regular season get, you know, getting it going. And there were times when it looked like they were weren't even going to make the playoffs, but they they got it all together. And you know, again, you talk about that pedigree. You talk about a guy like Marty Berdour. You talk about a guy like you know Zach Parisi. You know, you and a guy like. Uh, like Kovalchuk, who has never, never won a, had never won a playoff series, kind of hard to believe, but uh, he never won a playoff series before this year. You know, but he'd always play for bad teams. But you know, you, you get guys that know how to play, and you get that mentality of okay, it's our time. You know, playoff time is our time. This is this is what you're going to get. Now on 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 the other side, you know, you have you have a team. You know, we you know we we talked a little bit before about how hot the how hot the Spurs were in the NBA. Well, how about what the Los Angeles Kings have done in the playoffs? I mean, that's amazing. Abs- it's, it's beyond amazing. I mean, you, just, you just don't see things like that. You just don't see teams come out like that and, and, you know, win as much as they've won. I mean, they've won straight 11 straight road games in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's, you, you just don't see things like that. I mean, you, it's, there's really no, <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, precedent. Yeah, no, there really isn't, and there's nothing to really compare it to because you just don't see, and you just figure, okay, you know, it's got to, it, it, the odds have to shift at some change. They've got to come back to Earth at some point, right? But they haven't yet. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this, uh, about this off the air, but normally, you know, whenever you get to overtime of a Stanley Cup playoff game, very rarely do you see a pretty goal. Very, most of the time it's a deflection or if it's a, you know, it's a shot that's going about four miles an hour from the point through about 50 pairs of legs, and the goalie never sees it, or the goalie knocks it himself, or something something goofy happens. But, you know, even the, even that, even the Kings changed that precedent. You know, maybe this is a team that's out to change precedents this year. I mean, uh, uh, Anse Kopitar's goal in overtime was it was gorgeous. It was, it was almost like a video game watching that goal, the way they played it. So um, the pass from Dustin Brown and... And the way he waited for for Brodeur to make the first move and kind of like shifted to the side and shot it by his leg, and Brodeur almost made the save on that too. If you if you watch the replay of that, as he's going down, as the shot as Kopitar shoots the puck, Marty's leg kind of comes up and he just missed it. So you know, hey, you know, you, you, and and I think on a, I think on a play like that, you just have to tip your hat, you know. So the Kings are certainly proving they know how to win too, and you know they're they're turning. 
uh, stats and precedent on their heads. So you have, you know, two teams very different styles. Um, you know, they have the Devils, you know, as we said, who know who know what what it takes to win at this point. And you have the Kings, who are just you know doing things that we've never seen before. So you know, again, I think we're looking at a really good series. Uh, you know, two of the, you know not the two best teams in the league. I mean, you got an eight, eight and a six in the finals. So you know, you talk about the best teams, you know, competing uh, for the prize, not in the NHL. And you know, and like and like we like we've said before in the NHL, you know, you you, you have this. You know, in hockey, once the playoffs come. Doesn't matter where you're seated. Everybody's got a shot, and certainly the Kings have being an eight seed, you know, knocking off the three top seeds in the West to get to this point, and the Devils being a six seed, knocking off the top seed Rangers in the East. You know, they both have a lot in common in that way. So I think this is going to be a very good series. We're going to see a lot more of the same. Um, two great goalies, uh, two great styles, and uh, we're and I I think it's going to be a long series. This 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 could easily go seven games. I could definitely see that. Uh... And yeah, you know, with that final goal the other night, which I watched live, it, it reminded me, I mean, like when you're watching a movie and the climactic final scene is into slow motion at the very end, yes, it just it seemed like, like the minute he broke out and that pass was made from that moment until it went through Brodeur, it, it almost looked and felt like slow motion, Yes, and yeah, which I loved. I, I just thought it was a real highlight real film, to say the least. Yes. And yes. uh, you, you mentioned Brodeur. He, of course, had a spectacular leg save earlier in the playoffs that's been shown time and time again uh, on Sports Center highlights, to say the least. And, yeah, you know, with him in goal, anything's possible. Although, you know, at this moment in time, he is not the best goalie. Clearly, that's uh, Jonathan Quick, who is just, you know, doing things we haven't seen a whole lot of in, in recent years from any goalie. Uh, and one thing I like about this is the way the, uh, you know, the L.A. Kings with the Clippers and, of course, Lakers no longer playing, that the L.A. Kings at this moment in time, you know, own Los time, Angeles. Right? And, and I just think it's really, really pretty cool. I've spent time in L.A. and the thought of, like, a hockey team owning the town this time of year, is is different. It's new. It's unique. Yes, and you know it, it's and it's funny because I, I, the, the Kings fan base they have a reputation of being very loud and very boisterous. You know, obviously, you know we haven't seen a lot of that uh, in recent years because you know in this time of year, you know you think you think when you think uh, you know playoffs this time of year in L.A. Of course, you think the Lakers. You don't even think the Clippers really. You think Lakers. You know, you think Jack Nicholson and Diane Cannon and all the. And all the glitterati going out to the games, but you know what? The now the kit now the with all that aside, the, with the Lakers and Clippers being done, you know the Kings are the only game in town. Of course, you know the, you know, the Dodgers have had, got off to a good start, but you know that's going to take a back seat with uh, with a team in the finals. And uh, you know I think the whole nation is going to get is when the series goes back to L.A. after Game Two, you're gonna you're gonna see that, and you're gonna really get a good feel for. You know the type of atmosphere, and you know, don't be surprised if uh, you know during Game Three when they show the crowd shots. Don't be surprised if you see some uh, some celebrities out there, and I'm sure you will. So um, you know, just get ready for that. But yeah, and, you know, you'll see people jumping on the bad wagon, I'm sure. But I think the um, you know Kings fans have to be thrilled. Uh, you know, it's, they've never uh, never gotten this far. So you know, they went to the, they went to the finals once. This is the only the second time. Last time they did was when Wayne Gretzky was there. So, 
um, you know, they're they're looking for their first cup, and uh, the fans are going to be are going to be crazy. Uh, it's going to be a wild scene when you get back for Game Three. So at the very least, that series will be tied one-one, and uh, you know, we see some more heroics from the Kings like we saw in Game One. They could be going home up two nothing, in which case, uh, you know, it could be it could be really wild out there. But uh, I would expect the Devils to win Game Two. And I would expect uh, the series to go back to L.A. tied 1-1. But, uh, but yeah, getting back to the point, yeah, I think it, I, I agree. I think it's really cool to see, uh, to see L.A. now being a hockey town, at least for the next couple of weeks. Yes, long-awaited. And, uh, again, you know, I, I think it's great. Uh, and, yes, I, I expect uh, the Devils will also win game two. And, uh, and you're right. In L.A., they are known for that, you know, exuberant hockey crowd, uh, yet, you know, nobody really knows it. Um, but I think America's about to get uh, an introduction to that next week, which is mm-hmm. just going to be, uh, it's just going to be something new on the American sports scene, which I always welcome. I think it's just going to be fun, a la the crowd at the, you know, for the Oklahoma City Thunder games. It's new, it's fun, it's collegiate, it's different, and... Uh, I'm sure everybody, uh, except the folks in Seattle, love watching games uh, from Oklahoma City. And yeah, right. uh, well, yeah sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, yeah. But Barry, believe it or not, we've come to the end of another show. I want to thank you again for joining me and for your great perspective. Uh, again, appointment viewing of the weekend, uh, NBA and NHL postseason. Obviously, starting with Celtics Heat tonight at 8.30 Eastern Time from the Boston Garden. And once again, I want to thank you all for listening, and we'll do it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on All Around Sports. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.